I guess I'm going first. So we're going to look in Luke chapter number 7. If you have your Bibles tonight, the book of Luke chapter number 7. I want to read in the 11th verse. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bear, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all. And they glorified God, saying, That a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. So in the book of Luke, chapter number 7, as we see these verses, we're reminded of the story of the widow, which was at Nain, and she had a son. And the Bible says that her only son, that he died. I want to say number one, we see an unexpected calamity. This woman is a widow woman. She's already been to the cemetery one time in her life to bury her husband. The only thing she has left is her young son. That's the hope for her future. And now her young son, whatever age he was, he's a young man, the Bible says, now he's gone, taken home to glory. And so this woman, we see she has heartbreak, heartbreak in the past. Have you ever had heartbreak? Have you ever had uh, situations in your dreams you're just completely crushed and everything changes in your life? Not only she have heartbreak in the past, she has a hard present. Now her son is dead and she don't know what on earth she's going to do. And now that he's dead, she's got a hopeless future. This woman has an unexpected calamity in her life. Then number two, the Bible says that she is on her way to the graveyard there in name. The Bible says that Jesus came nigh to the gate of the city. And as he's coming into the city called Nain, many of his disciples are with him. Why? They're rejoicing in the power and the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see there what's happened. This woman didn't ask Jesus to show up, but there he was. Praise God. Now just imagine, here's this woman. She's a sufferer. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the suffering servant. And they run headlong into each other. One of them, one group is on their way to a graveyard. The other group is on their way to the city. Hey man, there's one group that's lost. They're on their way to the graveyard, amen. There's such a thing as death, spiritual death, eternal death. But if you're saved, you're on your way to the city, amen. There's a group here that's carrying the things that are dead and they run into a group that's celebrating life. And honey, thank God, life wins out. Praise God. Number two, Jesus is an unannounced companion. He shows up. She's not even looking for him. She's not even calling upon him. But he showed up there in that situation. And he saw the need that she had. The Bible says the Lord saw her. Verse 13, he had compassion on her. Thank God for the unmeasurable compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said he looked at that woman and he said, weep not. Now you know what the, the name name she's lived there her whole life? Name means beautiful. But that day, that city, that city was anything but beautiful. It was ugly. It was deadly. It was awful. Thank God Jesus showed up, glory to God. And when he said, saw that woman, he said, weep not. He had compassion on her. And then he, he, he reached into that coffin 
and he told those that bear him to stand still and he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. He reached in, grabbed a hold of the boy and he that was dead sat up and began to speak. Number three, there's an unforeseen celebration. Again, here's a situation where there's something that's dead and it looks like it's too late. You've already dug the grave. You think this is over. This, this is, uh, there's nothing that can ever change about it. And I'm talking to somebody here tonight. You've got a worry, a burden. But the thank God the Lord shows up. And he says, don't dig the grave yet. The Lord shows up and says, it's not too late. I can do anything. I'm here to tell you tonight that the Lord, amen, I'm telling you about a somebody that can save anybody, amen. Lord of God, I'm glad tonight that Jesus is still in the saving business. And what does the Bible say? He set up and he began to speak. Thank God when Jesus passed by your way and he saved your soul, he gave you a testimony. He said, you set up and you began to speak. The Bible said that he delivered him to his mother and fear came on everybody. They all began to glorify God, to begin to praise his holy name. Hey, that day on that highway, two enemies met. Life and death and life wins out. Praise God for it. The Bible says they were all glorifying God, saying that God had visited his people. I'm just here to say tonight, don't dig the grave yet. Your situation may look over, honey, but it's not. God can do anything with anybody if you'll just look to him tonight. Amen? That's my thought for the night. Amen? Amen. Brother Jerry Sparks, y'all make him welcome. Appreciate you, Amen. Glad to be saved. Say Amen. It's an honor and privilege to be here tonight. I appreciate the Lord. I uh, want to preach for just a few minutes. It's five minutes. Try to get all I can in on this thought. A life of obedience. Amen. I want to read out of the book of Psalms. One of my favorite verses is Psalms 37, verse 23. And it says, The steps of a good man are ordered in the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Let me say that there's only one good man that ever walked on this earth, and that was Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says, no, not one. There's nobody except him that was perfect. And I appreciate him for all he's done. But he had to live a life of obedience. He left the splendors of glory and came down here nearly 2,000 years ago, walked and took those steps that I'm talking about tonight, and done all those miracles, several of them the Bible mentions. But I'm, I'm so thankful that he came and left glory. He didn't have to, but he did. He said, but Father, said, they owe a debt below that only I can pay. And you know, he was obedient. It was obedience to do his father's will. It wasn't, you know, the ideal just to come down here, but it was his father's will. Everything he done, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying there, he said, let this cup pass from me if it be thy will, Father. And I thought about this. You know, uh, nobody can fill the steps of Jesus. There's only one. But us as Christians, it's our obligation to try our best to strive and do the best we can. And even though we do that, we're still going to mess up because we're not perfect. He was the only perfect one. And I want to give you some things right here, some thoughts uh, in the same chapter. And I want to go back to chapter 37 and read verses 3 through 7. And listen to this. If we live a life of obedience, here's what's going to happen in our lives. It says in verse 3, trust in the Lord, amen. That's what we need to do, and do good, and so that dwell in the land, and barely thou shalt be fed. I thought about the way the world is today. It's a mess. But look up, there's a brighter day coming for the redeemed saved. We're going home one day, heaven. And I thought about this. I got three things here that I want to go over. 
Verse 4 says, Delight thyself also in thy Lord, and thou shalt give thee desires of the heart. To delight means to enjoy. We want to enjoy the Lord and what he done for us. Amen. We need to really just take thought and say, Lord, I love you every now and then. Just tell him that. I know, I know he knows that, but it's good for us to tell him every now and then. And it says, Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. No matter what you're going through, if you'll trust him, put your faith in him, he'll take care of you. If you belong to him, you're born again. You're a child of the king. And I thought about this. Number one, I'm going to give you three things right quick. Uh, when you're down and out, let me tell you something. Just look up. Because the Lord's coming. We don't know the hour of the day when he's coming. But I thought this. I said, keep a laboring. We get discouraged sometimes. Even us preachers do. We'll preach a sermon. We'll get, we'll get discouraged and say, well, it, you know, the devil will jump on your back and say, you didn't do a bit of good right there. But I'm going to say something. I'm going to serve the Lord as long as I've got a breath. And it says, just keep laboring and just don't give up. Just keep on. And the second thing I wrote down was keep a leaning. You know, we need to lean on the Lord. He's our rock. He's a rock that will never be moved. He's our salvation. I thank him for that tonight. Thank him for all he's done in my life. I could, I could stand here all day and not brag enough on him. And then he goes on, and here's the other one. Brother Darren mentioned this this morning. I done had this wrote down to preach tonight about keep listening. We need to listen to the Lord. And when he tells us to do something, we need to be obedient and do what the Lord would have us to do. Because the reason for that, if we do what he tells us to do, it's going to bring honor and glory to him because we obeyed what he told us to do. If we don't, then, he, then you know, he's not going to get a blessing or don't deserve, you know, he, we don't deserve nothing but hell. But if we just brag on the Lord and just keep listening, and then I broke this down, there's a reason for everything in life, no matter what it is. And then this right here, I'm going to hurry right fast. It's Psalms 92, verses 12 through 15. It said, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth in old age, and they shall be fat and flourishing. To show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteous in him. You know, I thought about this. If we make the right decision in life, and we serve the Lord, then everything's going to turn out perfect. I mean... No way. We're going home. Not even death. We don't have to worry about it. If we're saved, we're going to heaven. But uh, these last verses I wrote right here, this is the way that you stay strong in all the days of your life, that you'll prosper. If you'll serve the Lord, you'll prosper. You may say to people, well, somebody's got this and they've got that. Well, why ain't I got that certain stuff? Listen, all you need is Jesus. If you got him, you got everything. And I wrote this down. Live a life, as I close, of obedience. The Lord done it. He come down here and paid a debt that I owed. I owe everything to him. I could never pay that debt, and you couldn't either. But I thank him for what he done. But live a life of obedience. Serve the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. Brother Josh Forbes, y'all make him feel welcome. Amen. I sure am glad, glad God's my rock, ain't you? Book of Genesis this evening, the third chapter. This isn't what I wanted to preach to you tonight, um, since Darren has been talking about us popcorn preaching. 
for the past few weeks, I've, I've wanted to preach on grace. I've had grace on my mind, and uh, I'm thankful for God's grace, but that's not what God had me to preach tonight, uh, and so I'm not going to get to, to preach grace to you. But here in the book of Genesis, in chapter 3, we're going to be looking at, the, uh, at verse 8, starting out, and, and go on down to verse 10. Um, but those of you that will, I want you to pray for me while I'm up here trying to preach. Uh, my stomach's trying to give me a fit this evening, so... So pray for me, if you will. But uh, uh, verse 8 of chapter 3 says, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called Adam and said, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. Uh, what I want to preach to you tonight, uh, just for this short moment, is, is why are you hiding? Why are you hiding from God? And uh, I'm bad to do this, I think, when I get off in sin or, or make a mistake, even if it's something small, but I realize I've made a mistake. I'm bad to hide from God. And, and no, I don't go crawl under the bed or, or lock myself in the closet or, uh, or go hide in a tree like Adam and Eve did, but I, I stop praying. My prayer life gets weak, and I stop reading God's Word, and uh, I, I stop being serious about church. And and maybe that's just me. This might just be for me, but, but I'm sure some of y'all do that. Some of you, ins- instead of, of running to God, you run away from God when you make a mistake. And I'm the type of guy that, that uh, uh, when something comes up and something's wrong, I want to be the one to fix it. And I want to use my own hands to fix whatever it may be. Uh, but uh, you can't do that with sin. You can't fix your own sin. You can't fix your own, uh, your own heart problem. You can't fix uh, uh, your own faith problem. You've got to run to God. And so instead of hiding uh, from, from God when we sin like Adam and Eve did, and I think we're, oftentimes we're, uh, we're too hard on Adam and Eve. Uh, they were just as people as we were people. They were human just as we were human. Uh, and uh, um, uh, I, want to, I think we, t- we were too hard on them. Uh, because, like I said, we do the same thing. We, like I said, we don't go hiding under the trees, but we hide from God whenever we do something wrong. Uh, God tells us not to do that. Uh, uh, bottom line, God knows when you've sinned anyways, and He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what kind of mistakes you've made. He knows uh, what kind of problems you're having. Just like He knew that Adam and Eve had eat the fruit. He knew, I mean, He knew for sure that they had eat the fruit. He knew sin had come upon the earth, uh, and He knew that there was a curse coming, and He knows when you mess up, knows what kind of mistakes you made. So why I run from him. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, uh, in 1 John, turn there with me, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. If we'll turn there real fast. He tells us, he says, confess our sins and he is faithful and just to, uh, to forgive, our, give, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what God wants. Jesus died on the cross so he could justly and righteously forgive us of our sins because the sacrifice had been made, the law had been fulfilled, uh, and because he did that, now we can uh, go to God uh, and go to Jesus as our intercessor and we can beg him for forgiveness, confess what we've done. He already knows the mistakes we've made, but I think a lot of times he wants to hear us confess and say, God, I know this is what I've done wrong. God, I know this is why it was wrong, uh, and I just got to tell you that I'm sorry, that I I need your forgiveness, Uh, and then he'll start sprinkling some mercy, some grace on us, uh, and give us that forgiveness, and I'm glad, but listen, uh, uh, instead of hiding from God, instead of being afraid that we sin, run to God, confess your sins to God, uh, and, and tell him what you did wrong, and he's 
just to forgive us. Aren't you glad that because of Calvary, He can forgive us our sins. He can uh, forgive us freely. Thank God. Uh, and a lot of times, uh, I don't know how to go to God. And this, again, might just be me, but I don't know how to go to God and don't know how to say it. Get, get, a lot of times, God humbles me, and I don't know what to say. Uh, and so a lot of times I go to, to Psalm 51, and some of you might be have might have read this before. If not, it's something that has helped me uh, a lot in the past and something that will probably help me a lot uh, as I go through life. But Psalm 51, uh, this psalm is, is right after uh, David did the worst thing he ever did. He, uh, uh, he committed adultery, and, and he, he sent the uh, Bathsheba's husband Uriah to the front lines and had him murdered, and, and then his baby died, and... And he was at his wit's end and he was at a loss. And I think that God humbled uh, David just the way he humbles us when we sin. God humbled David and, and he didn't know where else to go, so he went to God. Uh, and in verse 7 through 12, I, when I get off somewhere where I'm not supposed to be, or I get away from God and I, I've got a sin in my life, this is where I go and it helps me. Uh, and hopefully it'll help you and you can use it to help you. Uh, but uh, verse number 7 of Psalm 51 says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me my, the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. That helps me when I don't know how to talk to God, when I don't know what to say to God, uh, when, I, when I don't know how to get back to God. Uh, the words of that psalm, uh, they just make me, oh, when God comes down, and I'll tell you what, every time I've read that, that psalm and, and just prayed it with my heart, God's filled me up with His Spirit. He took that, that whatever was going on, He cleansed me whiter than snow, amen. And if you're saved and, and bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, but you get off and sin, get off somewhere where you're not supposed to be, I, I'm telling you, and this might just be for me, it might be, I might just be hollering for no reason, but I'm telling you, if you get in there and you read that psalm with your heart, it'll help you. It gets God's attention when we go seeking and, and, and wondering what to say to Him. It gets God's attention when we really mean something out of that word, amen. I think that's why He gave us the Psalms a lot, to, uh, to get to know Him better and to know what to say to Him, amen. But that's my thought. Amen. Thank you, preacher. On our next preacher tonight, Brother Tyler Pittman, he's going to get married here on November the 19th, amen. Let's embarrass him real good before he, before he preaches, amen. I'm excited about him getting married. How about you, amen? Amen. Miss, Miss Haley's going to be his bride. We're excited. That's November the 19th here at Bethel. I've got an invitation right here to read to one and all, and I thought, I thought this morning I'm going to wait and get him tonight, amen. <laughs> I love you, preacher. Love you, yes, sir, I love you. Thoughts going to be out of Exodus chapter number 3 this evening. As a background, I'm going to read through the whole book of Genesis. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, mate. Exodus chapter number 3, verse number 2. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. 
And he said, here am I. I got a simple thought this evening of going with God. Here we see that Moses has found himself on the backside of the desert. And as he's leading the flock through the backside of the desert, he hears God. And this evening, I just want to say I'm grateful that even in the backside of the desert, we can hear the voice of God. But I see, firstly, that there is a decision that needs to be made. As Moses, as he's tending to the flock, he sees a bush that is burning. And he goes to investigate as any of us would because this bush is not consumed. And when he turns to the bush, he hears the voice of God call out Moses, Moses. I want to turn your attention to see that he said Moses twice. Uh, that's important because he was trying to get his attention. Anytime in the Bible that the Lord speaks out to somebody and calls their name twice, that's to get his uh, attention. So he says Moses, Moses. Uh, and we see at this point that Moses had a decision to make. He can either go with God or, or he can go against God and continue tending to the flock. Uh, uh, we see that uh, you today, there might be somebody here that might be in the same situation, uh, might have the same decision to make uh, as Moses did here. Somebody here tonight, I believe there might be multiple people. God's trying to call you to do something for Him. He wants you to do something for Him that will, He might get the glory. He's called your name twice to get your attention. He's been calling out Tyler, Tyler uh, to get your attention. And you don't know what to do. Uh, maybe this evening He's been calling you to get saved. He's called your names multiple times. He wants you to get saved. Uh, maybe it's the witness to that uh, person that you work with or that person in your family that's lost. Uh, maybe he's calling you to do that. Uh, maybe he's calling you to rededicate your life. Maybe it's preaching. Maybe it's singing in the choir. Uh, maybe it's giving up the bottle or some type of sin. I don't know. But you have come face to face with God and you have a decision to make. Do I go with God or do I ignore it? Moses here, he's faced with this decision and he says, here am I. In my life I've come across this situation twice. Firstly, it was to get saved when the Lord started calling out my name. He had to do it multiple times so that I could get saved. And then second time was when I uh, surrendered my call to preach. Uh, but the best decision I ever made was just to go with God. And I'll never, uh, I'll never regret that decision that I made. Just go with God. And I, the best uh, advice I ever heard was from Pastor Darren when I was dealing with my call to preach. He said, uh, when I was telling him what I was going through, he said, best advice I can give you is just go with God and always say yes to the Lord. Uh, so this evening, I want to give you that advice. Just say yes and just go with God. Uh, but we see when we have this decision to make, there might be some doubt that comes forward. Verse number 11, the Bible says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel? out of Egypt. God tells Pharaoh uh, I want you to go and let my, tell uh, Pharaoh to let my people go. And uh, Moses said, who am I? Can't you see the doubt that he had? But the doubt wasn't in God if you'll notice that. The doubt was within himself. Uh, uh, when God's trying to call people, sometimes you might doubt yourself. You might be like Moses and say, who am I to preach the gospel? Who am I to go teach Sunday school? Who am I to go witness to this person? Who am I to stand up and to give my testimony? Uh, you see that Moses was being humble and you might be trying to be humble. Uh, who am I to even get saved? And see, uh, you've been saying that as well. And God's told you what He wants you to do. And you've said, here am I, just as Moses did. But there's some doubt uh, and humility that is taking place. Uh, you might be thinking you're not strong enough. Uh, maybe you're not the most educated. I don't have the right words to say. Uh, but lastly, I'm grateful to see that there's a devoted one. And in verse number 12, he said, certainly I 
will be with thee. Uh, we see that word certainly. You see that God made a promise into Moses. He said, I will be with thee uh, no matter where you go, uh, no matter what you face. I'm going to be with you and I'm going to go with you. Uh, so this evening, if you're thinking that I, uh, you can't do it on your own, that's great because you can't. Uh, I can't get up here and preach on my own. I'm not worthy to be up here and preach, but I got somebody who's with me always, who's worthy all the time. And I don't, might not be the most educated person uh, in the building right now, but I got one with me uh, who knows the Bible, who wrote the Bible, who, who made the Bible. And so he will go with you always. And I just want to encourage you this evening, uh, just as uh, God was trying to encourage Moses, saying, I will be with thee. Uh, no matter what God's trying to call you to do, whether that be to testify, whether that be to go witness, whether that be to preach or whatever it is, God's going to go with you. Uh, don't get down and out because God's going to be with you. And if he's calling you to do something for his glory, you won't ever have to do it alone. Just go with God. That'll be the best thing you'll ever do. Just go with him. Say yes to him every time. How many times have you ever argued with God, wrestled with God? Didn't win, did you? In fact, you lost out pretty bad, amen? Best thing you'll ever do is just go with God. All right, our next preacher, the old married man, Luke Waldrop. book of Hebrews chapter number 11, the book of Hebrews chapter number 11, I'll give you time real quick to turn there. It's just amazing how God can orchestrate a service to go a certain direction. Um, we're going to see here in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11, the hall of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 39, the Bible says, and these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. I want to preach on this thought this evening, a better thing. Uh, first, I want to see the faithful. Uh, we see here in this chapter, in chapter number 11, we see the great hall of faith. And we see some different mighty men and women of faith. Heroes of faith that went with God. They were obedient to God. They followed God. They trusted in God through their trials and their circumstances that they went through. I think about in verse number 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to, to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah was by faith being warned of God. He built the ark and people was ridiculing him, but yet he stuck with God. I tell you, that's the best thing that you could possibly do is to stick with God. Uh, then next we see in the roll call a little bit further, we see Moses. And we've heard a little bit about Moses already this evening. And Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He would rather be afflicted and go with God than follow the 
path of, of, of the Egyptians, the path of sin. And then we go on a little further in verse 34. It says, they quench the fire or the violence of fire. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were down in that fire that they were thrown into. And the, there was a fourth man in the fire that delivered them. And the fourth man come forth and delivered them out of that fire. And then I think about verse 33. It says... Uh, in the end of it, it says, stop the mouths of lions. I think about how Daniel, when he was cast into that den of lions, he got to sleep right there with those hungry lions because God was faith, because he was faithful to God. And because he was faithful to God, God was faithful to him. And then I think about David and Samuel and Samson, and there's so many more. What a great lineup that we see here of some mighty warriors, of some mighty people, but yet they received not the promise. Uh, but I tell you, uh, secondly, we see the fulfillment just as the prophets had prophesied before Jesus came and he was born of a virgin he lived a sinless life and he is the precious and God's only begotten son he came and he died upon the cross for me and for you and he said in John 14 verse number 2 this morning was read in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also and whither I go ye know and the way ye know I tell you tonight he went to repair us a place and that means he's coming again and the fulfillment is that he came to this earth and he fulfilled uh, the punishment he fulfilled judgment when he said it is finished on the cross and all you have to do is call upon his name for salvation but there's another promise and the second promise is I'm coming again and he is coming again in the Old Testament they were looking for the Messiah I tell you there was there was something better than the law and his name is grace there is something better than Moses and his name is Jesus there's something better than the blood of sheep that they had to shed for remission of their sins in the Old Testament and it is the blood of Jesus Christ shed on Calvary and I tell you honey there's something still better to come and he's coming one glorious day it's time to stop looking for the signs of the times and it's start it's time to start looking and listening for the shout of the trumpet the shout of the archangel because Jesus Jesus is a coming. Abraham said, he said, I'm looking for a city. John the Revelator said, I have seen a city. And I tell you tonight, I am going to that city. If you are saved tonight, you are going to that city. What a wonderful and glorious day when we get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ Almighty and be with Him forever and ever. And we shall be like Him. And I tell you tonight, if you are not saved, there is no better time and no better opportunity than to call upon the name of the Lord than tonight. Uh, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. I tell you Tonight could be the night for you. I tell you, there is a better thing for us, and that is the promise of God. All these did not receive the promise. They were great. They prophesied great. They lived faithful to God. But the promise was left for us. I think about uh, in the, earlier in the Old Testament, it said, for such a time as this, you were made. Tonight, church, you were made for such a time as this. We are living in the promise of an almighty God. And it 
it's time. If you don't know him, it's time to get to know him because the time is running short. I'm getting stirred up, amen. I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, two things stir me up. A preacher that'll preach, that stirs me up, and then a preacher that won't. That stirs me up too, amen. Either one of them is going to make me want to go preach, amen. Amen. All right, y'all make welcome Brother Daniel Engel, amen. Make him, make him welcome. Well, it's been some good preaching so far, hasn't it? That's hard to follow up there. I enjoyed it there tonight. Good to be in the Lord's house. And if we would turn through your Bibles tonight to the book of Psalms, chapter 119. We won't read all of them, maybe only about half of them tonight. <laughs> Psalms 119, we're interested mainly in one verse there tonight, verse number 105. I'm sure most of y'all could probably quote it. Probably one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. It would be right up there in the top 10 or 20. It's one of the first verses that I think I learned when I was just a kid and going through a Christian school and going through Bible school. But a verse says here in Psalm 119, verse number 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And for just a few moments here tonight, at the thought that the Lord's laid upon our heart with His help, we think about, are you walking in the dark? Let's pray. I'm most kind and gracious and dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you once again for the opportunity we have to be back in your house here tonight. Father, thank you for all the many blessings you've given to us for salvation. Lord, for the safety and travels, Lord, things innumerable what you've given to us. I'm thankful for the preaching we've had so far. And Lord, I pray that you just tie me behind the cross, take the steering wheel, the service there tonight, take the reins, that all things be done according to thy will. And Father, be careful to give their praise and the glory and honor for all things. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. And amen. Just a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go out and take a, a hiking trip, a backpacking trip, and there was a few mishaps along the way, and as we were getting near to where we were trying to find a camping spot that we didn't get to the one that we wanted to initially, and it was already getting dark, and we found a good place, and the sun's beginning to go down, it's getting darker and darker, and as we're beginning to take out our hammocks and our rain flies and everything so we could get set up, we had to do it by light, we had to do everything that was there, and by the time we finished, it had gotten pitch black dark. We just had the lights around us there. If you walked out and looked around, you couldn't really see your hand in front of your face out there in the middle of the woods. It was very dark. And I remember one of my companions said, you know, off on the side over there, said there was some water. You could hear it all around us, and I needed help refilling some of my canteens and stuff. I thought, I want to refill it with water so I can have it for in the morning. So what did I do? I went out there and took my good old headlamp and put it on, turned it on, and decided I was going to go out and try to find my path. Shine the light down and begin to walk and look. There was a lot of de debris, of course. There were limbs on the ground. There was undergrowth, and I was looking everywhere. And then I come around, got past everything, and got to the end, and I realized well, there ain't no ground right there. And I looked down and realized that down about 20 feet down a steep bank is where the water was. And I thought to myself, well, I ain't going to be able to do that tonight with this little thing. I'm going to get hurt if I try to go down there on my own self. So I said, I'll just have to wait and go down there in the morning. So I waited a morning time, and I got up. And, of course, I was one of the first ones that was up there. But when I got up... It wasn't dark no more because the sun came up. And I began to walk out there and I realized that in that night I was too busy and distracted and looking at my feet and where I was going. I missed the path that went right down to there and right down to an edge, a nice easy pool of water that was there. I used to always think this verse was talking about the same thing and what it's got. Verse there tonight it says, His word 
Lights your feet. Look at the first part of the verse. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. That is, God's word is going to give you the light that you need for whatever situation in life that you're currently standing in. Whatever situation in life that you're currently beginning to walk through. We need to have His light in our life so that we can see the pitfalls and the traps and all those things that are in our path that the devil lays out to try to trip us up, to try to get us hurt ourselves. If I didn't have light there that night at all, I would have potentially could have ended up down there. It could have ended up, at the very least, would have been very wet and miserable all night long. Or I could have been very hurt either way that was there. Not only does God's word light our feet, it also says he lights your path. That is when you're looking to try to get your own light out, try to look at your own path. We miss this a lot of times and we miss where we're supposed to be going in the long run. We miss where God intends us to need to be able to go in the path that's there. See, I was trying to do it also in my own power. Trying to use it with my own little light. But next morning the sun, S-U-N, came up. But see, if you're a Christian, a child of God, when the S-O-N comes up, begins to shine His light that He's got there in your life, everything that you can see all around, you can watch the feet, you can see it clearly. You can also see the path that He's got laid out for you. You can see everything that's there. Instead of walking in the darkness, instead of walking under your own power and under your own strength, let Him light your life. Also, we see third there, not His Word lights your soul. The book of John, chapter number 1, a familiar passage of Scripture is again. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. John chapter 8, verse number 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. First John chapter number 1, verse number 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which is with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son of Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we had fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Tonight, if you're a child of God, we don't need to be trying to walk through this life in the darkness. That's out there. There's plenty of it already. We need to be walking in the light that Jesus Christ has given to us in this life. He's given us all the instruction and everything that we need. The flashlight on this world. And if you're not saved there tonight, there's no better time to get out of the darkness than there is now. Come to know him. Let him take that light. Remove the darkness out of your life and no longer have to fumble around in the darkness there tonight. Amen. Thank you, Brother Daniel. All right, Brother Zach. Huskins is going to come preach. Y'all pray for Brother Zach. Give him a good Bethel welcome. simple thought tonight. It's just two verses. The downside is, is I'm probably going to talk for about 30 minutes because when you're last, they don't move. <laughs> All right. Uh, going to be in Philippians chapter 4 tonight. 
If I can get up here to where I can see my notes, I might actually be able to read this to you. And in chapter 4, I'm going to be reading verse 6 and 7. In verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want to talk about anxiety, church. Have you ever had a time in your life, maybe, when things were so overwhelming, you couldn't sleep? Have there ever been times when you were so preoccupied with a problem that you didn't seem to be able to function? Have there ever been issues in your life that seemed to dominate every waking thought? If you answered yes to any of those, you've known anxiety. Statistically, one in five adults experience anxiety on various levels. Even more alarmingly, one in three youth between the age of 13 and 18 have experienced anxiety attacks of some kind. Anxiety is the most common mental illness in the world. And it seems as if the COVID pandemic, cases of anxiety have increased at least 25% in the U.S. alone. So what is your fear, church? What are you anxious about? What worries you? Is your situation at home or work or at school left you feeling hopeless, powerless? Do you feel like you're drowning? Do you feel like every waking moment is consumed with fear and worry? I've got good news for you. In the passage I just read to you, God provided an answer and a response to anxiety. In chapter 4, verse 6, Paul writes, Be careful for nothing. In this text, careful is a word used to describe worry. Paul is saying, don't worry about anything, to put it plainly. The verse goes on to say, but in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer is the single most powerful tool a Christian has. And it's the most underused. You see, when life brings you to your knees, the thing we don't realize is that we're already in the perfect place. You're already where you need to be to fight. The ironic thing is, is you really can't fight it. Not on your own. You see, the passage continues with, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We're not told that our problems are going to go away. We aren't told that we'll understand the circumstances we're dealing with. We aren't even told the problem won't get worse before it gets better. What we are promised is that that churning in your stomach will be replaced with peace. If we turn to God, worry gives way to faith. Anxiety gives way to calm confidence. The peace of God is an incredible experience. I can remember the first time that I ever truly felt what I knew was the peace of God. It was a time when nothing seemed right. When everything was hopeless and I had no right to be happy. You see, I had just lost my mother. I was standing in the hospital room. And that evening I felt what I could only describe as an unexplainable peace of God. Peace that was purchased by Christ at the cross. 
peace that every saved person experiences but has no way to explain. That joy in your heart when everything around you is falling apart, that's the peace of God. That same God who effortlessly willed all creation to existence. The same God who sent His only Son to die on a rugged, thankless cross. The same God who calms the storm, heals the broken, who reigns supreme then, now, and forever. Is the same God who can and will see you through the harshest storms. If we only cast our anxieties away and fall on our knees in prayer and worship. Is anxiety weighing you down tonight? Do you feel like you're smothering in your situation? Do you feel broken or hopeless? While I talked about anxiety, did you find your thoughts drifting away? Focusing on the thing you're worrying so badly about? If so, I want to leave you with three things right quick that you must do now. First, repent. Confess your shortcomings to the Lord. Confront yourself and make things right with the Lord. Ask yourself, have you been living like God doesn't care or isn't capable of helping you? Secondly, it's time to pray. Get alone. Get into the quiet with God or fall on your knees at the altar, whatever you feel led to do. Make your every request known to the Lord and thank Him for being faithful in the past and continuing to be faithful now. And finally, enjoy your life again. Rest in His everlasting arms. Leave the future with the Lord. Take comfort in His presence and experience the peace of God in your situation. Amen. I sure enjoyed. You've heard seven preachers preach tonight. Amen. Thank you, sir. Praise the Lord. And every one of them was great. I wrote down notes, and I'm tickled to death to hear what I've heard tonight. I got encouraged. I got help. Amen. Thank God for it. And I just continue to see growth in young men's lives. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. What a tremendous blessing.